Hey, this is Nate. Uh, you're probably wondering why there's no lighter flick or music in this intro, and that's because I'm here to tell you that our um, audio on our microphone corrupted at a certain point in this video. So at a certain point, we switched to camera audio, which is not the same quality as the microphone, but this episode was still really funny and really fun to record, and I hope you stick around. Thank you. Welcome to the Diamond Mind Podcast with Nate Laney and special guest Eli, where we listen to all 92 Diamond albums certified by Billboard. Today's album is Fearless by Taylor Swift. But before anything else, here's our new segment. And welcome back to your music news. First off, Preston <laughs> Malone welcomes a his baby into the world, and he is engaged to the child's mother. Well, Posty, congratulations, mm-hmm. Post Malone. We have a lot of birthdays this month. Rivers Cuomo turned 52. Lead singer of Weezer. Oh. Oh yeah, throwing up. Hey, thought up. Yeah. We love Weezer. Uh, Beyonce announces her new album, Renaissance, and has come out with a new song. Did you all listen to that? I have no, not. I have not listened to the I new did. Beyonce. Is it good? Is it? Oh, no. For, okay, everyone hypes Beyonce up too much, in my opinion. She's beautiful. Don't come for me. She's a girl boss. But it just wasn't what, like... <laughs> I mean, it was good. I don't know. Whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Oh, okay, so Paul McCartney was... Yeah, his show at the MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. And Bruce Springsteen and John Bon Jovi came out on stage with him. Wow, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, Paul McCarty celebrated his 80th birthday. Kendrick Lamar celebrated his 35th birthday. Dang, he's old. Kendrick is pretty <laughs> old. He's washed. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Eminem has a new song called King and I, and it mashes up Elvis's Jailhouse Rock with a modern beat and features... The man we've all been missing, CeeLo Green. Hey! Uh, <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne had surgery on his neck and back. We already mentioned that, but he is recovering and things seem to be going well. His and, neck and his back? What about yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he, I can't remember what happened, but like he couldn't even like it hurt to walk. Dang. So he had to go get surgery. But he hopes to tour again, so we'll see if that happens. That would be so uh, lit. Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys turned 80 as well. Lionel Richie turned 73. What a handsome young man. Uh, Weezer is going on Broadway in September for their new album that they, or their new album. Like they themselves, or they're having a Broadway, like... Broadway theater in residence on Broadway. Oh. How about that? Weezer on Broadway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, The Rolling Rolling Stones to celebrate 60 years as a band, and they'll have a four-part donkey series called My Life as a Rolling Stone. And it is set to premiere this summer, and I heard that all four episodes were going to be, like, each episode is dedicated to each individual band member. Yeah. I don't know, that could be whatever, I don't really care. Chris Christopher, nope, try that again. Chris Christopherson turned 86. What is, what is he from? Uh, he's a country music. Oh, Oh, he, um, me and Bobby McGee, that song, yeah. Little, I'm going to assume TJ. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is undergoing emergency surgery after being shot. That's Eli's, that's Eli's dog. Cindy Lauper turns, <laughs> turns 69. Bro, I hate Cindy Lauper. <laughs> like, no lie. Dang. Like, that's like one of my least favorite artists. Sorry, Cindy Lauper. I know you have a fruitful life and plenty of fans, but. And then, dang. And then Glenn Denzig turned 67. And Kareng had their, like, Awards or whatever ceremony, and Green Day won the Icon Award, and Fallout, nope, Weezer <laughs> got their Hall of Fame Award, and that's it for music news. And we're back, but before we get into anything else, here's our social medias: the Twitter, TDM Pod, TDM Pod, 
the Instagram, the Diamond Mind Podcast, the YouTube for our face if you want face cam, uh, the Diamond Mind, if you look up the Diamond Mind Podcast, we should be the first thing that pops up. Uh, TikTok, Diamond Mind Podcast, um, like us, follow us, subscribe, comment, DM us, find my email, send one of the earlier episodes as a meme. Jesus. Anyways, <laughs> give us the specs on Fearless. Okay, Taylor Swift's Fearless has 13 songs. Imagine that, her lucky number. It is 54 minutes long. It was released January 1st, 2008. Happy New Year. It has only gone 10 times platinum, which is kind of shocking. Um, this was her start from transition to, or from country to pop. And instead of listening to the original version, listen to Taylor's version. Oh, you listen to Taylor's version? No, I listen to the original. Oh, okay. I, we listen, listen to the original. But well. listen to Taylor's version because that's the one she actually owns the rights to. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Anyways, also, random question. If you don't know this, can you look this up? How old was she when she came out with this? Do you know? She was really I young. Think she was 18. 18. She was 18. Yeah, she, I knew she was like super duper young. Um, anyways, uh, this first song, namesake of the album, called Fearless. Uh, happy to be on T-Swizzle. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Me and Eli been T-Swizzle fans since the since the beginning. Since the jump. Since the mud, bro. Uh, like, we would be on FaceTime in, like, fifth grade listening to Taylor Swift. Um, a couple ult- of these songs, too. Actually. Yes, yes. Ultra country pop. Uh, the chorus is a good vibe. It's your average Taylor romp, and it kind of gets you situated for what you're going to be listening to throughout the rest of this album, and so I really appreciate that. I definitely agree with that. Uh, when we first started the song, like I, it just came to me. It was very Taylor Swift. It was very this time. It was very country pop. And I mean, I guess you could say that for most of the songs. Uh, I went through and I decided to say, where I think I would hear each of these songs if they came on in my life. And this one, uh, Fearless, I'm definitely in a white Jeep. If this song is playing, <laughs> and the doors are definitely off. Okay, fair enough. Dang. Okay, I mainly just uh, wrote what Genius Lyric says because I knew that they were going to absolutely hype this up or tear it down, whatever they choose to do. And also have some like quotes from her, <laughs> from uh, whatever interviews. But also... The way she says fearless in the song, fearless. Oh, yeah, she definitely has that twang. She's definitely, oh, yeah. like, digging into that country I can't tell stuff. if it's authentic or not, though, because now she doesn't really have that, like... I don't know. I, uh, Where I is would, she from? She was from Nashville, I'm pretty sure. Or she lived in Nashville for a while. She definitely lived in Nashville for a good little bit, but I don't know where she was born. She went to Hendersonville High School. Hold on. Dang, oh. she's pulling up the high school name. Like she, she she's uh, bigger Taylor Swift fan than us, I guess. She might just be Taylor Swift fan. Or not fan friend. Oh, for real. She's from Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift is a fake country music artist. Anyway. Okay, that's why she moved on to pop. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fearless is about the feelings present when a new relationship begins. Taylor has explained a bit about it and that the word fearless uh means that it is not the absence of fear. It's not being completely unafraid. To me, fearless is having fears. Fearless is having doubts, lots of them. To me, fearless is living in spite of those things that scare you to death. Fearless is falling madly in love again, even though you've been hurt before. No matter what love throws at you, you have to believe in it. You have to believe in stories and Prince Charmings and Happily Ever After. That's why I write these songs, because I think love is fearless. Next. This next song is called 15. Absolute banger. Absolute banger. I know at least like 80% of you listen to this know this song. Um, I knew this one. Uh, I like the world building. 
the how she's describing the hype and the feelings of going into. I don't think so. Because it's like. Uh, the, exactly the, the hypes and the feelings it. of yeah. going into your freshman year and mm-hmm. growing up and uh, the innocence, I guess. And I really, really like that, the world building here. It really puts you in the perspective of, like, dang, she is young when she made this album. Like, she is, like, our age, and she's making a Diamond album. That's crazy. Um, but it's what? a very slice of life. Uh, what, what were you going to say? I was going to say, it did. I got brought... It didn't even become a Diamond album until 2017, I'm pretty sure. That's crazy. Um, But it's a very slice of life, just like you take, uh, you go back in time to this point in your life and you just take out a little day, and this is pretty much how a lot of of people's lives, when they were in this position, uh, were. Um, So it's back when Taylor also had a lot of country instrumentation, some fiddle, some banjo, some slide guitar, and I really like that. I really like this song. It's a banger. I could throw this on whenever. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I've definitely heard this before. I definitely like it. Um, the guitar and it slaps incredibly hard. Um, and, you know, I said this song gives me very middle school talent show vibes. I feel like there's a girl... She might have just got broke up with. She might have just got with somebody. It's up in the air. Um, but she's singing this song. She's having her girl boss moment. It is It is her time to shine. Her friends are freaking out. The flashlights are on. We we love this song. We love T-Swizzle. It's funny that you say that this is a talent um, show song because I'm pretty sure the next song, Love Story, I swear on my life I've seen that at a talent show before. <laughs> <laughs> I... Also, I, have you all heard every song on this album before? Yeah. I have. Uh, not every song, yeah. Most. Okay, I have. Majority. And I kind of forgot what they were until I listened to them again, and I was like, oh, she she, she really did that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this album in its entirety, but whatever. So, 15, simply just Taylor looking back at her freshman year at Hendersonville High. Taylor, she's from Pennsylvania, if you didn't catch that, by the way. She's not country. Uh, Taylor wrote the song about her best friend, Abigail Anderson, and she actually is like a redheaded girl named Abigail. Like, I've seen pictures of her. Um, who she met during ninth grade, and they're still best friends, apparently. Oh, that's awesome. Next. It's funny how things work out like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next song is called Love Story, as she already said. Another banger. She's dishing them out like hotcakes. Uh, I was a little worried at this point that the album wasn't going to keep dispensing these bangers because she was like boom 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 right off the rip she was no i no she was spitting she was spitting um maybe not like commercially successful bangers the whole entire way through but they're all they're they're good i have that cd i'll go listen that again um i was worried those worries did not pay off though uh a lot of themes of youth thus far in this album uh, very impressive what she did at this age. Uh, this is one of those chorus that you just yell out with the boys or the girls or whoever you're hanging out with, your dog, I don't care. Um, it's a classic. Eli was doing that whole singing thing where like you halfway know the words because it's such a classic. <laughs> like You know it and you're just like, is baby just say yes? Like It was like I, one of those. That, yes. And But there's... Uh, and that's... I mean, it is a diss on you, but it's also like... <laughs> That goes to show how classic this song is. Like, in 10, 15 years, we're going to be looking back on this song like, dang, that was part of a generation right there, baby. Anyways, that's all I have to say about Love Story. Following that up, like, it is my guilty pleasure song, if I had to say I had one. Um, 
it, I honestly don't even feel that guilty about it. It's such a good song. Yeah. Like, I was embarrassed at one point, but we can all, we've grown up. We all love Taylor Swift, you know. Um, so I guess I said I would listen to this car, or th this song in my car just makes the most sense. And uh, on a side note, when this song comes on, Nate boogies down. I was um, boogie down. I'm here to start a petition. Let's get Nate a Fortnite emote. <laughs> Fortnite, what is the thing? It's like Fortnite emote royale twenty. Boogie down challenge emote royale twenty twenty two. We're gonna make a TikTok. Get Nate a Fortnite uh, emote. That would actually be so lit. That would be very good for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Also, going off what Eli said, if you think Taylor Swift is a guilty pleasure, grow up. Okay. Uh, off what, the rim. What is close last time? Okay, so, oh my god, I wrote a lot for this. Um, love Story. Taylor was inspired to write Love Story when she was going through a difficult situation with a boy she liked, imagine that, whom she wasn't officially dating. The song has been rumored to be about two singers, the first being Joe Jonas, since it was recorded in March of 2008, just a few months before she began actually dating him. The second rumored subject uh, is Martin Johnson, who she had a brief fling with. He lost phone stock. I'm sorry. We need the block. Oh god. I had to throw it over here. I had to check it. It's actually because I hit my head on the bed or my hand on the bed frame, and then I try to play it off, so I just threw it the other way. Happens. Always. Um. Oh, goodness. Jesus. Okay. So Taylor's publicist felt that. The man, Martin Johnson or whatever, wasn't good. Like, it wasn't a good match for her American sweetheart image with him being a punk rocker who was going through personal issues at the time. She chose to portray the story of Romeo and Juliet in the song because she felt like she could relate. The lyrics talk about disapproval against the relationship and her desire to go somewhere far away from, or far away with him and escape the people who look down on them. Love Story peaked at number one on Billboard's Hot Country Songs and at number five on Billboard Hot 100 just weeks after the release. Next. Uh, this next song is called Hey Steven. Uh, she's got a good rhyme scheme with Steven and deceiving and believing and feeling, and I was really feeling it. Came out very hard. I was feeling it. Like, she was spitting like that. It was really capturing me with this with this wordplay that was going on. That Dr. Uh, uh, yeah, that Dr. Seuss flow, indeed. I like the, the smugness of the I can't help myself, like, mm -hmm. in the chorus. Yeah, it's yeah. like, she's almost like, I love you, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, she's also got some, like, church organ going on in the back. And I guess that, to me, just from where we've grown up, that brings me to that southern feel, that country feel, I guess, just because we live in the Bible Belt. It was very, like, almost poppy. Like, you're just driving down, uh -huh. on, like, the mm -hmm. road or something like that. It's outside. a back road song. Yeah. But, yeah. Hey, Steven. Another banger. Taylor's just dishing them out right now. Like twenty, like a 24-hour McDonald's. Hey, Steven. Uh, you know, I got... I thought this was very Disney Channel of Taylor Swift for some reason. I don't necessarily know what made me feel like that, but it just sounded like it could have been out of like a high school musical, a camp rock kind of thing about like a coming-of-age story, a girl... I even asked myself, was Taylor Swift on Disney Channel? Because... <laughs> I don't. It seems no, too, but she could have been a Disney Channel. It star. seems too perfect to like not work out. Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, both from the same time. 
Disney Channel missed out. Yeah. And um, but I, they didn't get it like Taylor did though. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor's, Taylor's better than both of them. Taylor and Selena Gomez are friends though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I said uh, this sounded like it would be playing. There's a place in the mall where we're from. It's called Altered State. It's just very. It's a very like. Uh, what's the word like? Christmas it. lights, vines, like girls. It's. I think. I think. It's the like a southern boho. boho. Yeah, boho. Yeah, I couldn't find the words for it, but I could definitely hear it playing in there. That. Yeah. So this song was written for, guess what, a guy named Stephen, Stephen Barker Lyles from the country music duo Love and Theft, who were an opening act on her Fearless Tour in 2008. Oh, she was, she was with the dude that was opening for her. Oh, man, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Taylor. Uh, The song's hidden message in the album booklet for Fearless was Love and Theft, confirming that it was... That Stephen. Uh, little did Taylor know, Stephen returned her feelings and even wrote a song for her called Try to Make It Anyway. <laughs> next. <laughs> uh, this next song is called White Horse. Uh, starts with like some acoustic guitar and a cello or something. Maybe like a big bass, uh, stand up bass. Um, she's basically saying he's Prince Charming on the White Horse, but she's not the fairy tale princess. And, uh, Banger. It's it's a bit moodier than the ones we've listened to previously, and this is something I'm going to comment on. So I'm I'm not going to hit too much on it right now because I'll comment on this at the end of the album. But I like how she's not just talking about the same perspective of love, mm-hmm. and that's something that I think keeps this album fresh. Is it's not just all heartbreak or all being madly in love, she bounces around. It's like falling into love, falling out of love, heartbreak, like a perfect relationship. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and I just really like that about this one. I like a good pace change. Keeps my brain refreshed. Keeps me engaged. Um, she's coming to reality. Got me crying in the club, but it's pretty solid, though. I'd have to agree. I said it was a hidden gem. Um, I'm pretty sure my sister probably... Balled her eyes out to this over her first boyfriend. I could, I could just imagine it. Um, it's a very average, like middle school breakup song. It's still Taylor Swift. It's still good. It's just, it was very middle, middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Not, not the top song on the album, but definitely not the bottom. Yeah, I, I get that. that. Where, where are you hearing White Horse, Eli? Huh? Where are you hearing White your Horse? Setting? Oh, what's where? your setting? Oh, oh my, like my sister's room, like I'm oh. walking past her and she's in there like... She's like, okay. I didn't realize that that was the setting. <laughs> I didn't specify that. No, 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 no. Um, going back on what Nate said about how she switches it up and it keeps the album interesting, not only does she switch up perspectives, but she also switches up the sound and the emotion brought with the perspectives, and so that also keeps it interesting because it's not just the same thing over and over again. And honestly, she does that throughout the entire album. And you know what? Pop off, sis. Good for you. That kept me intrigued. Also, um, this is so random, but when this came out, I was in, I guess, second class in first grade, but like second grade is what really sticks with me. And Katie, Anna's sister, uh-huh. her, this was her favorite song, was White Horse. Yeah, there you go. It's so random. But Shout anyway. out to you, Katie. You gave me a scrunchie whenever I didn't have a hair tie during a tennis match. <laughs> She's awesome for that. All right. Taylor Swift told Billboard Magazine, it's one of the songs that I am really proud of on the record because it's so sparse. It's guitar, piano, and cello. 
it talks about falling in love and the fairy tales that you are going to have with this person. And then there's that moment where you realize that it's not going to happen. That moment is the most earth-shattering moment. Next, this, Banger. This next song, probably my favorite Taylor Swift song. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. You Belong With Me. This is the one that sticks with me from fifth grade. Me and Eli bumping this. Like, I felt all the lyrics coming back into my brain from some deep cavity that they've been stored in mm-hmm. since, like, 2016. <laughs> um, I love how in the pre-course, she's just basically comparing herself to this girl. And in the bridge, she's telling the dude, like, hey, I actually know you a lot. This girl's preppy, but I really love you, boy. And I really like that. Um, she's almost yelling at him, like, give me a chance. This will work out. I'm the one for you. Here, I th- these are my raw emotions, and I really like that. Um, absolute headbanger. This is another one. 10, fi- 10 to 15 years. Going to be looked back on as a classic. Um, I just really like the storytelling here. Uh, this, is, this is one that relies heavily on that aspect of her songwriting. Um, and I just really like that. It keeps me intrigued. It keeps me following along with the song. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I want to say this is a hot take, but I genuinely don't feel like it is. I think it's a cold take. I think this is the best Taylor Swift song. I I think there's, you know, more stuff from around this time that might bring back the same kind of emotions and feelings. But this song, like, no matter where you are, you will be at least humming it. If it's in the grocery store, you might just embarrass whoever you're with and break down full in, like, concert mode. How she goes. Um... And I said where I would listen to this, and this is more of like a dream scenario. <laughs> Taylor's singing it. I'm at her concert. I got my sign up. You belong with me. That would be so low. We lock eyes and, and we meet each other after the show. You know all that good stuff. Um, <laughs> I also oh, just wrote. She's it like was, thirty now. <laughs> it doesn't. I don't care. I'm eighteen now. Yeah, that's an age just number. <laughs> Funny that you say 10 to 15 years from now. I'm pretty sure Taylor Swift already won, like, the Lifetime Award or something like that. One of, like, the biggest things that you can win as a musician. Um, also, have you seen... Okay, have you seen this music video specifically? No. Wait, it, yes, I've seen this one. I've it seen this threw one, me off with the first time I ever saw it because I was like, wait, is she playing the other girl? Because she <laughs> is. Like, she's playing herself and the girl that she hates and her thing, and I just... I love that. Also, this is very popular at weddings. I don't know why, but um, You Belong With Me tells the story of a boy who is too wrapped up in a toxic relationship to see how much to see how much another girl likes him. It appears on Taylor's sophomore album, Fearless. Yep, no dip. Taylor said the following about the track on uh, her record label's website, which, oh, by the way, has since been removed. So, <laughs> I had overheard a friend of mine talking to his girlfriend, and he was completely on the defensive, saying things like, I love him more than anything. I'm so sorry. And she was just yelling at him. I felt so bad for him in that moment. So I came up with the first line. You're on the phone with your girlfriend. She's upset. She's going off about something that you said. And I ran that into the storyline that I'm in love with him and he should be with me instead of her. Imagine being able to rally that. That's some Bob Dylan stuff. I know I've already talked about that, but like that's that's wild. Anyway. Funny fart sound effect. (laughs) And we're back. So this next song is called Breed. This one's got a feature. Apparently, that's what it says. Um, Honestly, not too common in Taylor songs, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, This is another pretty melancholy one. Uh, There's some 
harmonization going on. She the harmony explo- explores that lower range. Uh, she's addicted to this dude. She needs him to breathe. She needs him to live. But she's not gonna have this dude, and she's gonna have to learn to live without him. Uh, and that's just the heartbreaking reality. And she really brings that emotion across with this song. Um, it just puts you in that setting of your relationship falling apart and not being able to do anything about it, and you just kind of have to watch it burn. Um, this one's pretty alright. Not one of my higher points. Not definitely not a lower point. I'm not saying that this song is bad, but it's not. It didn't like stand out too crazy much to me. It's not one um, that you would just like go listen to. Like, yes, I wouldn't actively be like, yes, I want to go listen to "Breathe" by Taylor Swift. Let me go cry. Uh, <laughs> Not any negative feelings about this album thus far, though. That's fair. I agree. Um, it's a it's another breakup song. Uh, personally, I enjoyed it more than White Horse. Uh, I just like the way this is better. And Nate mentioned the feature. We kind of talked about it. It it's hard to notice if they're like where the feature is. We think it's the. Oh, harmony. I still. Wait, I, oh, saw I can explain it. it in okay. a yeah. Well, yeah, it's a feature. You can't really tell. It's very yeah, Taylor it's... Swift still. Um, the band goes hard in it. Uh, it kind of sounded like a mini orchestra. I picked that up in the back, uh, and I don't, I don't know why, but I really feel like this is like a song that, like, like a, a girl guitarist, like somebody that is really good at the guitar. Like, what's the, what's the song that everybody learns how to play? It's like river. Uh, smoke on the water. No, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's just one of those songs that I feel like everybody will would have learned how to play and will just sing around the fire, sing around the fire, sing at the beach yeah. with a guitar yeah. or something like that. I feel that. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Also, if anybody out there doesn't know who Colby Calais is, she sings the song "Bubbly." Oh, oh bro! Yeah, that's in my nose. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. crazy. That one, that one, that one. Okay, so this song was actually written by Swift and Colby Calais, and it's produced by Nathan Chapman with the help of Taylor Swift. Um, this song was written about the end of a friendship. Uh, musically, the song is driven by acoustic guitar. The song received favorable responses from contemporary music critics. Uh, this was nominated for the Grammy Award for Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals, but lost to Jason Mraz. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> actually Jason Mraz with a collaboration of Colby Calais, so it lost to their song Lucky. Uh, Breathe peaked at number 87 on Colby the Billboard. Colby was popping off, I'm sorry. She really was. She was like that girl back then. I didn't know that. I think she kind of fell off, but it's Dang, okay. unfortunate. She got her money. Sorry about um, that. And its appearance tied Swift with Hannah Montana, or Miley Cyrus, whoever you prefer, for two records on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh, but Colby, okay, so I don't know if she actually has a distinct part, but the harmonizing in the song is all her. Oh, okay, that's what I thought it might be, but I wasn't for sure. Yeah, we can move on to the next one, though. Um, This next one is called Tell Me Why, and we're not talking about the NSYNC song. Uh, A little hoedown, uh, I want it that way. That's Backstreet Boys. Is that? I know we've done like four albums. <laughs> we have done two albums of Insane and two albums of Backstreet Boys. Oh well, uh, I'm That's embarrassed. I don't know the answer. That's Backstreet Yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. They are literally the same thing. Okay, they are the same thing. And if do you have a do they start that song with back streets back? Oh no, that's a different song. Okay. Also, did you see that video of Justin Timberlake dancing? No. And he made an apology video. What was he doing? Because <laughs> it was so bad. I don't know. It was all over Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta find it. Oh, I just, no, that's like the biggest. <laughs> Imagine having to apologize because you danced so bad. I have to see if I can find it now.
Send me the link. I'll see if I can put it in right here. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, this next song is called Tell Me Why. There's a little hoedown feel right here. Uh, it's a good pickup after this mel after the last melancholy one. Um, there's a banjo driving through most of this piece, which I really appreciate. I feel like banjo is underutilized and it's like stereotyped as like a redneck backwoods bum. I'm not gonna say that instrument. Uh, but I think it's really cool, and it has a very distinctive sound, and nothing is quite like the banjo. <sighs> she really just only did love songs at this point in her career. If, if I need to make a gripe, which I don't really need to make a gripe, and I'm, I'm not even feeling that negatively about this, and I already explained previously why, but she only made love songs at this point in her career, which I get. She's super young. That's, like, the most raw emotion that you've felt at that point because you've not, like... Like, your first love is just like, oh my god, that's crazy. Um, anyways, tell me why. Nice pickup, nice, uh, keeps the flow of the album going well, and I like it. Um, the first thing I got, it was very empowering. It's like a song that I could see someone, like, screaming if they knew all the words. I didn't know all the words, but, uh, it was very, like, uh, it screamed like it needed a Miley Cyrus feature from this time, like Seven Things I Hate About You. Um, huh. They kind of, I don't know how well it would have mixed, but the the vibes I got were very similar. Yeah. Um, I said it, it screams uh, like 2008 Claire's. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. my ears pierced and this song is on. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you get your ears infected because you yeah. went to Claire's. <laughs> Dang. Alright, so Taylor Swift co-wrote this with her frequent collaborator Liz Rose. She explained that the song was inspired by her frustration at a boy that she liked who kept <laughs> acting up. <laughs> Whatever you want to go with that. Um, she said, I walked into Liz's house and I said, I can't believe what's going on right now. I've got to tell you about this. I told her all about it. She goes, if you could say everything you were thinking to him right now, what would you start with? And I would say to him, quote, I'm sick and tired of your attitude. I feel like I don't even know you. And then I just started rambling, and she was writing down everything I was saying, and so we turned it into a song. I would like to say that intro, where it starts off with the fiddle, and then the banjo carries it out through the rest of the song. It's hoedown. That's it. That's what we <laughs> need. That's it. She really brought it. Next. Uh, this next song is called You're Not Sorry, Some Piano and Some Strings. Got me feeling orchestral in this mug. Um, she is done with this dude, though. She's telling him off, and she really brings the emotion behind her voice, and the instruments help exemplify that. Um, all the uh, or, bleh, all the instruments except for the piano drop out at the beginning of the second verse, and I really like that. It brings back your attention, and I like when people throw in a little flavor like that. Um, I love how hard this chorus hits. It was hitting so hard that I was, like, doing that stank face, you know, like... <laughs> Like, when you're just really into something, you're hitting that, mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I feel about You're Not Sorry. Um, when the song first started, and honestly through it, it reminded me of Jar of Hearts. Uh, it's probably the piano, um, and just because it's, like, a very sad song. And at this point, I, it really got me thinking, like, who are all of these guys that are doing Taylor Swift so wrong? Like, Taylor Swift is a very beautiful woman. Taylor Swift, if you're listening, um, you were still a very beautiful woman. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. It, 
it makes me wonder like what really was going on. Yeah. And if if it it could have been her on some of it too. I don't know. That's another story. But where I said I hear it is like if you went on a date with your girlfriend, you broke up with her and you had to take her home. She's playing this on the ox, 100%, and she's making you feel better. You broke up and you're still giving her ox? <laughs> in, no, that car had to be silent. In the event that I gave her the ox. Um, yeah. he's, hey, he's taking her home. He's letting her be comfortable. Yeah. Um, you, you still want ox? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Give it to me. Turns this on. And... She blares and just stares at you the whole time. No, um, this one was definitely a different sound than the rest of the album for sure just because it was so heavily reliant on the piano mm-hmm. and it had a very different I don't know what I'm looking for really I'm gonna say like rhythm but like a different like I don't know what I'm looking for but it's there it's out there um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway so this was released on iTunes as a promotional Groove. single like a different groove Maybe, to it? Yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking of. Uh, it was released as a promotional single, but is no longer available on iTunes. And this was inspired by an ex-boyfriend who was revealed to be opposite of what he appeared to be, and it is a power ballad with uh, country and rock music influences. This next song is called The Way I Loved You, Big Build Up Right Off the Rip. Banger. Almost feels like country pop rock. To me. To me. And that's how we start to get towards the end of this album. There's a couple songs like that. Um, sorry, my grammar doesn't make any sense in my notes right now. Uh, oh, right on the first lyric, after this big, hard opening. After this, <laughs> after this rock hard opening, all the instruments drop out once she starts singing. Caught my attention again. Did it back to back, and I really like the flavor. Keep bringing it, Taylor. I'm spitting bars. I'm fly like and I'm floating like a sailor. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Um, chorus is hitting like crazy. She really likes the drama of being mad. Not drama, but of being madly in love and the way it, it makes her feel. Uh, it feels so angsty and youthful, and it really reminds you again. She's only 18. Thinking back on this one, this one might be very similar to Fearless. Guitar solo go nuts, by the way. Um... One of Nate's favorite words, my first sentence, uh, this song is hard. This song is hard. It is, a, it is a sleeper. I don't know if it's because of just, I missed the album. I'm, I'm 18. Like, it didn't come out when I was fully listening to music like that. Um, but if it was popular, I missed it. If it's not popular, I think more people should listen to it. Um, I added it to my playlist, and depending on my mood, I might listen to it on the way home tonight. Um... Uh, she was kind of flowing on it, too, to be there honest. There you go. Honestly, yeah, I agree. This definitely has slept on. Like, this might be one of my favorites on the album, for sure. Yeah, it's a banger. Uh, so, in this one, Taylor finds herself missing the passionate, albeit unstable, relationship we ha- she had with her ex-boyfriend. She acknowledges how perfect her current relationship is, but her feelings for him didn't compare to the fireworks she used to feel. Ooh, if you know that's about you, that's rough. Yeah, <laughs> that hurts, <laughs> that hurts. Alright, we can move on. Uh, this next song is called Forever and Always. I uh, like the Once Upon a Time opening. Mm-hmm. just really brings you into this magical little place. Uh, definitely gets pretty angsty again, and I like that. Um, it's This is where I kind of get into the perspectives of how she goes about 
on this album with love. Uh, it's not the same perspective of love throughout the album. It's the madly in love feel of your your first love. It's the heartbreak and the anger that comes with that and the sadness that comes with that. And then it's the perfect relationship that you want with your first love because you're so naive and you don't understand how the things work. Um, and I praise, I praise Taylor for displaying that raw emotion and doing it incredibly at 18 years old. Mm -hmm. That's just... And I know I keep harping on that, 18 years old, 18 years old, but that's insane, but man. But she has a gift. Like, uh, literally, we've already talked about this, and even other people have mentioned it in the news and stuff, that, like, she has a gift similar to, like, Bob Dylan, the Beatles, like, whoever. Like, she could she be can write. the greatest she can write. of all time. Um, but that this one's rocking. There's some distorted guitars. The drums are going ham, and I was really digging this one. Um, honestly, I didn't write very much about this because... Uh, me and Nate were just vibing out listening to it. The first thing I got to write down was it was a headbanger. And that um, it will probably make my way or make its way onto my playlist. And it's a, this is a song that like I see myself on like a, on a road trip. And my playlist has been going for a while. It comes on and it lights up the car again. Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily the song that I'm throwing on first or anything like that. And I'm also not ever going to skip it, like, with the boys in the car. Like, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to listen to this song. Ooh, we got a no-skip. Okay. Nate, what was the first part of your notes on this song? The Once Upon a Time opening? Yeah, okay, the story is the story. So, like, I guess that kind of goes along with being a great, like, songwriter, being able to tell stories like that. But she very famously, like, does tell stories like that, like, love story in the whole Romeo and Juliet. And there's a, another song on one of her other albums um, where she's talking about their relationship and she's like, it looks a lot like a tragedy now, the end. And like she goes chapter by chapter, yeah. literally describing that. And I think that's a really cool thing to do, like just have like thrown into your discography. Um, but this song was inspired by her recent breakup with <laughs> Joe Jonas. Um, she described it as a song about a relationship with a man who could feel as slowly what? Who could feel was slowly slipping away. She said, it's about watching somebody fade away in a relationship. They said they were going to be with you forever, that they loved you, and then something changed, and you don't know what it is, but you're watching them slowly drift. That emotion of rejection for me usually starts out sad and then turns into anger. This song starts with this pretty melody that's easy to sing along with, and um, in the end, I'm basically screaming it because I'm so mad. I'm really proud of that. The song talks about holding on to every moment with him since things won't last. And actually on the platinum edition of this album, the song was redone with a softer piano melody. Uh, going back into like her quote and stuff really quick. I'm pretty sure he broke up with her, with her over the phone. Dang. So, this is wrong. Imagine doing that to Taylor Swift. But also... Uh, like a landline, probably. <laughs> probably like her, it was her like Her mom flip was listening on the other, on the other phone. <laughs> Or, like, it's her flip phone or something after she just, like, slams it really quick. You know that slam felt so good, though. Uh, yeah, she, like, probably took the battery out and everything through yeah. it. But, um, like, in her lyrics when she was singing the song, it, she hits that forever and always or whatever, and it doesn't really, like, the chorus is what really takes it off. Like Eli said, it would really just hit in the car and lighten things up a bit. This honestly was a good song. It was. Let's, yeah, next second to last, right? Uh, the second to last song is called The Best Day. She's describing her perfect day with... 
Her mom. Her mom. Uh, I didn't know. I couldn't tell if it was her mom or her dad. Uh, this one is quite a bit poppier than the last one. Uh, it's also a lot more mellow. This is more like a good background song for me because of the chill vibes. Uh, I like that it reels it back in and it, it again, switches the vibe up. Because if you're just sitting there screaming in my face all the entire time, eventually you become deaf to it. Um... Right. I like this one a little bit less than the other ones, though, because it leans more on that pop side rather than, like, the the, the country storytelling rock kind of feel that she's had on some of these songs. Rock I use very lightly, but still, you get what I'm saying when I say that. Um, this is not bad, though. This is definitely not bad. And for this to be probably my least favorite on the album, this is not... This is... That's a great sign. Right. Um... You know, I really didn't listen to this song. It was, Nate said it was background music. I zoned out. When, before the song played, Nate farted. So, I made a freestyle about... And I'm going to have to cut this out, on. but I'll cut right back in on our reaction to Eli rapping this. Okay. Um, Nate farted when this started. This song go retarded like a train I departed from the station. On this beat, I'm super saying... Went to Wendy's, got a junior bacon. <laughs> but yes, the song was very background music. It it helps the album be like listen like you can listen to the full album. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not gonna get you singing or nothing like that. For a, a low like Nate said, a low song on the uh, overall list, it, it's not a bad song to have one of your worst. Yeah. I can't get over that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Went to Wendy's, got a junior bacon. That's a bar. <laughs> now that's something like people listening. Wendy's like, sponsor. What? Us. <laughs> Why did he get to Wendy's? Oh. Oh. Anyway, so this song, I feel like you, I mean, yeah, you said it was like kind of background noise. Like it wasn't the most exciting uh-huh. ever, but. This shows a different kind of love, also switching up the thing a little bit, <laughs> switching up her mood and stuff. It was like, this is a more pure, pure form of love because it's about her mom. And also, like, I feel like this one had actual, true, just, Nate, I cannot say it to you, don't <laughs> But this one just had, like, obviously the other ones have emotion behind it and, like, real parts to her life, but this one felt the realest and the most emotional to it. And like I said, again, pure. So this one was written about her mother, like I already stated, Andrea Swift, and the good effects her mother had on her growing up. In an interview with Taste of Country, Swift talked about how special her mom was to her. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I quote, She would just take me on these adventures and we would drive around and go to towns we'd never seen before. Those adventures in those days of just running away from my problems. You're not supposed to run away from your problems, but when you're 13 and your friends won't talk to you and they move when you sit down at the lunch table, that's harsh. That that would hurt me. That'd be deep. That'd cut me deep. Um, And your mom lets you run from those problems. I think it's a good thing. My mom was my escape in a lot of ways. And Taylor Swift also told CMT News... My mom and I are closer than ever. Out in the big world, I've learned to appreciate my mom. I realize how smart she is. I know my mom knows more than I do. Our arguments become discussions. We're together on the bus or at home all the time, and it works for us. This final song is called Change. Hard rocking outro to this album. Uh, very abrupt, but in a good way from this last song. Very, a very good switch from styles. Um... 
I don't think I had stopped head boffing this whole album, though. And that is a very good sign because she is, while she is bouncing around on the subjects of love, she is talking about love this whole entire time, but it did not get stale. Like, that's crazy. Um, there's just something about it, man. She can really sing, too, because I haven't commented on commented on that. Yeah. I haven't commented on that yet. Uh, she is incredibly gifted in that art. So, singing and songwriting mashed together. Come on. Oh, the T-Swizzle, baby. Uh, pretty great album. Not gonna lie. Uh, I'd have to agree. It is a very good album. This final song is... I think it's very much a last song on an album in the way that it's, like, wrapping up all the ideas, like, that she's carried throughout it. And it's... Again, it's not like a... It's To me, it's not a banger. It's not necessarily a song that I'd listen to very often. It's not necessarily one that I wouldn't listen to, but it gives me very, like, youth group vibes. Uh, it's just the last song on the album. Overall, the album was good. I wish she would have stayed more country than she went to. Um, Taylor, if you're single, hit me She's up. not. She might be soon. She <laughs> Dang! He's gonna have a song right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I won't lie. I fell asleep during this song. Um, Dang! But, no, there's no hate to it. I just, like, I was exhausted. I'm tired every day, okay? So, I kind of forgot what the song was until it came on, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool, great, whatever. Uh, not the most powerful ending to an album, but also not the worst. Um, also, yeah, kind of, you were, said you were head bopping or whatever to this whole, this whole album. This one was surprisingly, like, yeah, she's talking about the same stuff, and it's nothing, like, world-changing or revolutionary, but at the same time, this was her, like... Second album. This is her second album, and she's, I mean, she wrote every single song on here, which is crazy to think about. I do wish we got a little bit more time with Country Taylor before she transitioned to pop, but... yeah. That's a different subject for another time. So, the last song, Change, is about her path into the spotlight. At age 16, she was signed to the emerging Big Machine Records, which was the smallest record label in Nashville. There were only about a dozen employees, and she was the only artist. Despite the unpromising situation, she trusted that the label would eventually rise. After writing the beginning of it, she let the track rest for a while, waiting for a significant moment in her life that could conclude this song. That moment came in 2007 when she won the Horizon Award at the CMAs, and after looking out into the audience and seeing her manager crying, she felt like she could finally finish the song, and did so the following day. She said, and I quote, That's when I finished it because I knew I couldn't finish it until something like that happened. It was absolutely the most amazing night of my life, getting to see the emotion of all the people who worked so hard for me. Anyways, this segment is a little bit more for us, too, because we've listened to all the albums thus far. You so, 1 through 92, how you feel, lady? It's sitting at 35 right now. Uh-huh. I don't want to be too ambitious and put it in top 10s, because mm -hmm. I know we still have, like, Beatles, Prince, Led Zeppelin, yeah. Lee Floyd, all of that to listen to. So, I'm going to say between 20 and 10. Personally... This Absolutely. album is great. I did not grow up on this album like Lainey did. Lainey, like, this was also a fundamental part of Lainey's childhood. Um, so the song is definitely going up for me. It's not going up 
that far though, probably in the twenties. This one? Uh, no, this album. Sorry, to uh, <laughs> the twenties. Um, uh, for uh, twenty three, for the goat. Michael the Jordan. reason I want to put it up so high though is because Go I wasn't it. bored whatsoever. Uh huh. Uh, that is that is fair, and maybe it will move and up. Typically, we... I get bored a lot. Yeah. Whenever we, whenever we listen to more and, and can compare we better, finish our list. Uh, we can adjust it, but God. yeah, to be safe, twenty three for me for the goat, Andre Iguodala, Michael Jordan. What's it? Andre Iguodala isn't even twenty three. Draymond Green. No. Draymond Green. Draymond Green's twenty three. Draymond Green is number twenty three. <laughs> okay, he probably is. <laughs> it is overall good album. Yeah. Out of 10. Uh, okay. I'm not, like, I haven't listened to all the albums or anything like that. Uh, for me personally, uh, no matter how much music I listen to, I think it will stay in my top 20. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, there you go. Just, Pop off. That's just me personally. Um, I, I won't listen to the 100 best albums or whatever they are, but... I do know what it's about. What's I know about? it was a hundred and some many diamond He's close. podcasts. Right. And I just I just combined diamond and best. Yeah. Best selling diamond. Yeah. Alright. So <laughs> sorry guys. Uh <laughs> wrap this thing up. You got anything to say before I start wrapping it all up? Both of you? Anything you'd like to say to the audience? No. <laughs> Alright, the Twitter, TDM Pod, TDM POD, the Instagram, the Diamond Mind Podcast, the YouTube, Diamond Mind, TikTok, Diamond Mind Podcast. Um, anyways, this has been the Diamond Mind Podcast with Nate Laney and special guest Eli. We'll be back at you next week with Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs>